a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Your host would be nothing without the posse of people that uh, give up their weekends, or at least part of their weekend, to be a part of this. And so let me give thanks to uh, Mike Navidomskis and Russ Smith and Bob Grove and Mark Hadley and everybody. Uh, that uh, joins us, Mark Wade, who are on the program on a regular basis. We are headed into hour number two, and it's a pleasure to have you listening again on this uh, Saturday. We're with you till the top of the hour. I uh, want to remind everybody, too, it's not the greenhouse that will follow us today with Sundance happening in uh, Utah this week. Uh, we have a special edition of the movie show. And um, that means that Steve and Doug are going to be out with our friends at the Megaplex, which I believe is one of the viewing sites for uh, some of the uh, Sundance films. So look forward to that today, 11, or excuse me, 8 to 11 o'clock. And then the Greenhouse, Maria Anton will return next week. Navidovska is still on the road today. He's on his way up to do a little skiing, so you don't have to uh, <laughs> wonder where he's at. He's going to be headed up the canyon. I, I yeah. W- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying your posse's right here. We formed a posse for you. On the radio show. I do appreciate that. And uh, since you're an old retired man now, uh, it's going to be a big guessing game for all of us to figure out where you are, where you're headed on a weekly basis. Uh, Coming up in this half hour, speaking of some of that posse, I uh, expect to hear from uh, Bob Grove for sure. Mark Hadley, I believe, is back with us this week. He was in San Diego last week. Craig Gordon will be with us from the Utah Avalanche Center. We'll knock out a snow day segment. And then Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge and Tracks Power Sports will be with us. We're going to talk to Mark Hadley here in just a second from the Division of Wildlife Resources. But you and I off the air, Navi, were reflecting, you know, one of the last times we had some big snows like we've had this year was back in the 80s when I was building luge runs for my children off of my back deck full length of the house <laughs> and uh, made great memories for the family. But it can cause problems for the wildlife, and you remembered a couple of those stories. Oh, absolutely. I'm from the 70s when it used to snow. And then, of course, I was here during the snows of 83 and the snows of 94. And they were fabulous. Uh, shoveling roofs at supermarkets. But I remember that the deer, the deer used to come down in the valley during big snows and survive here. But now we're all houses. We're, we're, we take it up all their land and place to gather their forage. Yeah. Back in the days about should we feed them, should we not feed them, and where did the resources come? I remember one time Brooke Shields donated money, and it made the news that Brooke Shields donated to deer starving in Utah. Really? You, yep. you do have an ironclad memory there, uh, particularly for a retired old man. We want to bring Mark Hadley into the conversation this morning. Mark uh, used to be with us on a regular basis, and uh, we always love it when he comes back. He's now the Northern Utah Outreach Manager. Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, Tim. Thank you Do for re- having me on this morning. I always enjoy it. You remember the stories that Navi was just sharing? 
You know, I do. I do remember them. I'm kind of an old timer myself, and so I do. <laughs> you know, I do remember those really uh, those those winters where we got all that snow. Yeah. Yeah, and here we are again with a hundred and eighty percent of normal in many areas around the state, which is something we're all celebrating right now. But the deer having kind of a tough time, and I know that your biologists were out doing some sampling, and maybe you can fill us in on how that all takes place, but there is some concern about the uh, level of the body fat on some of the herd. Yeah, Tim. So, yeah, every winter, uh, our biologists start start this effort uh, right at the beginning of uh, December, and they continue it all through the winter. And what they do, and this is happening all over the state of Utah, they're out watching deer, um, and, and the areas where the deer are in the winter. And there's four major things that they're looking at. They're, they're uh, measuring the depth of the snow. Um, and then uh, also, and, and that's directly tied in with the second thing, which is the amount of food available to the deer. The snow often covers that food up. So, but anyway, they're measuring the depth of the snow, amount of food available to the deer. Uh, they're also monitoring the temperature, how cold it's getting, and then also the body condition of the animals as well. And uh, so this year, the, the only areas where we ran into a situation where um, we, we, uh, we feel the deer need to be fed and we can feed them because we can't feed deer in areas that have chronic wasting disease. Um, anyway, uh, the, so the areas so far that we've been feeding deer, there's 11 different uh, sites up in Rich County. And then there's one site in Summit County where we're currently feeding deer. Um, we do have a lot of snow over in the northeastern part of the state, uh, but unfortunately, chronic waste disease has been found in some of those areas over there. And we don't want to draw deer close together at a feeding location because that um, increases the chance that they, they will pass chronic waste and disease on. Yeah. You know, a deer, a, a deer that has it will pass it on to a deer that doesn't. We yeah. don't want to see that. Does he spread anymore? So you don't want you don't want to get them all gathering in a in a smaller area because that's when it can actually happen. Navi, you raised the idea of uh, you know trying to decide whether we as individuals ever feed uh, the deer, and we're always advised not to do that. We had an incident again this morning because the snow is pushing not just deer but elk down into the populated areas. They were on the roads this morning, causing problems for uh, our our morning drive. Yeah, it's it's a problem. Those those animals live in the high country, but in the winter months they come down to what is the valley, and that's where they historically have been able to forage. But districts. Yeah, uh, I'm sure, Mark. That's always the recommendation, or not the recommendation. That is the ask on the part of uh, the division is that uh, we should never look to feed them, and that people get a little confused sometime when they hear that the division is actually feeding them. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim. So what the situation is with deer, their their digestive system is really developed, excuse me, their digestive system is really delicate. So there's only certain kinds of foods that deer can eat uh, and then properly digest. And so what we're doing is we're feeding deer a, um, a specially designed pellet that is easy for them to digest and, and has in it uh, items that will give them the energy and nutrition that they need uh, day, day, day to day. Um, lots of folks will feed, for example, will feed hay to deer. And deer have a really difficult time digesting hay. Uh, we, we find dead deer all the time uh, with in the, um, the wintertime with stomachs filled with hay. 
So they were, you know, they were eating a lot, but the food wasn't doing them any good and eventually kind of plugs up their digestive system. Mm. So we, we really encourage people um, to not feed deer on their own. Um, if, if there's an area where uh, they see, see that we're not feeding deer, we're not doing that because the, the deer in that area don't need to be fed yet. Yeah. So again, we're monitoring everything on a weekly basis, all these conditions, and we'll, you know, we'll feed when it when uh, it gets to the point that they're really needed. I noticed on uh, Facebook uh, where I follow the Division of Wildlife, and everybody should do that if you uh, love the outdoors and love the animals in our state, that immediately some people were chiming in, hey, if you're going to help the deer in Rich County, I know we need to have some needs here or there. Um, you, yeah, yeah. you, you've done statewide surveys, as you mentioned. And so these are the areas that you see the most need right now. Exactly. Yep. That is absolutely right. Jim. Yeah. I want folks to know that we are surveying deer all across the state. So we're keeping a close eye on them and the winter conditions. We only have a bit of, about a minute and a half to finish out this segment with you, Mark, but I do want to ask you because this sort of dovetails into health of the animals and the stress that they're already under. But we're heading into that time when people may be thinking about doing a little uh, shed antler gathering, and they need to know, first of all, that you have to have an ethics course certificate before you go do that. It's usually between February 1st and April 15th. And I ran across two great videos this week. There was actually a drone, I don't know if you've seen this, that caught, I think it was a moose, that actually shed its antlers while the camera was rolling, which was pretty crazy to see. It was. I saw that video. Yeah. That was awesome. But the 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 point is, if you take this ethics course, you're going to be taught how to do it properly, when to do it properly, because you just don't want to add any stress to what these animals are already going through. Yeah, exactly right, Tim. These animals, they, they, they all, through the warmer months of the year, they're, they're just, they're eating and eating, trying to build up fat. Uh, because they realize when winter comes along um, that they're going to have to rely a lot on those fat reserves that they build up. And so any time that a deer is uh, spooked by someone and, and, and has to use up some of that energy, you know, to get, get away um, from somebody, um, that's energy that the deer uh, really needs to, to not use for those reasons. They need to retain as much of that as they can to get them through the winter. So one great thing that people can do uh, this winter is give the animals plenty of space. If you see the animals starting to get a little agitated, you're getting too close. And also, we've got uh, officers out patrolling. We're doing ex- extra patrols in the areas where these deer are, are um, facing the biggest challenge. And we just ask people, hey, if you see, see something going on out there related to wildlife harassment, call us. Uh, you can give us a call at 1-800-662-3333. Seven. Right. And uh, uh, we can get an officer out there as quick as we can. Details of this ethics course I'm talking about, by the way, at wildlife.utah.gov. Navi, have you seen, did you see the uh, drone footage? It really is amazing. I have not seen that, but I'm interested now. Big old moose just uh, shakes his head. <laughs> the racks go flying, and he runs the other way like he couldn't figure out exactly what had just taken place in his life. Uh, <laughs> it's It's something. And the fact that the uh, that the uh, drone was right there at the time was amazing. All right, Mark Hadley, always a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Oh, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. We're going to take a break. We come back. We'll do a little road trip in. Bob and Mark set to join us. We'll find out where they want to take us next.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Bob Grove is uh, about to join us again, this time with Mark Wade. Talking uh, some big events happening around the state right now. On the road again. Just can't wait yes, we're doing a little road tripping, again. and I guess I should correct myself because uh, we really wanted to target things that are probably the same number of hours drive north as they are south, Bob, right? That's right. It's, you know, Salt Lake is the crossroads of the west, so you can just point your car in any direction and just go, and you're going to find something cool to do yeah mark wade back with us after a week in uh, sunny southern california good morning and i'm still feeling warm from that experience and, uh, <laughs> trying to stay warm now <laughs> it, 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 does it store up in a little device in your pocket that keeps you warm for a number of days afterwards that's what i want to know it, it, it's just the memories i guess yeah yeah the glow from the inside out uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and uh, Mark, I know you wanted to start talking about the wildlife viewing opportunities, specifically Hardware Ranch, which is one of the places we love to talk about. And for many people, this is as close to uh, a giant elk as you're ever going to get. Yes, and I've just been checking on things. It looks like they're running opportunities to go on sleigh rides up there from Friday through Sunday into mid-February. So if you go between Friday and Sunday up to Hardware Ranch, this is up by Hiram, Utah, near Logan, then you can go in and, and you can view the elk as they gather out on the ranch in, in very large numbers. Another thing that we love to see happening that's coming up in February out in the Millard County area in Delta is the Snow Goose Festivals coming up, opportunity to see the snow geese as they gather in, in thousands over, over that way. Yeah. And then... Uh, there's a lot of places around the state where, where eagles are being spotted. You know, that we've, you, Bob and I have been out shooting some pictures of that up from time to time, and we've spotted eagles all over the state this year, uh, bald eagles and golden eagles. You mentioned that uh, Snow Goose Festival. It, it really brings back memories for me because I, I told our audience in the uh, first hour that um, Russ's dad passed away yesterday. That's why he's not with us. His dad lived in Delta, so we actually stayed at his house to go see the Snow Goose Festival and did a broadcast from there. Really is a spectacular sight and something uh, that many people in the world don't get a chance to see, so I would take advantage of that. Uh, all right, let's go to the Heber Valley with uh, you, Bob. Yeah, we got a couple of really cool things. You know, I, I'm assuming that not all your listeners are into participating in snow sports so we've got some other things that they can do as well in heber valley if you're a rodeo fan yeah in the winter time there's actually a rodeo going in february the american rodeo contender tournament finals that's up at the uh, wasatch county event complex and i gotta tell you utah is becoming a hotbed of rodeo professional rodeo cowboys some of the best in fact the very best the wright brothers down here in the beaver uh, utah area 
our world champions. So they got that coming up. That's something to take a look at. And then also uh, ice castles. You know, it's been traditionally in Midway. They've moved it over to uh, Soldier Hollow. And that's where they have these ice structures that you can walk through. It's really a, a fun time, uh, great family adventure. And that's up in Heber Valley. And you can probably go to goheberValley.com to get more information about that. That's really spectacular at night, too. If you get a chance to do it, you just need to make, uh, need to make sure that you dress warm. Uh, the contender tournament, the rodeo contender tournament, when is that? Is that President's Weekend, you said? Yeah, it's February 18th from 7.30 to 10.30. So if you're into rodeo, you don't have to miss out during the winter months. You can go up to Heber Valley in February and get a little taste of a rodeo. All right, beautiful. Uh, Soldier Hollow Nordic Center, we talked a little about this on last week's show, Mark, but um, there are so many things for families to do up there this time of year. Well, we did, and we, we just want to remind people as they look for non-skiing, non-snowboarding types of things to do in the winter, then there are a lot of places around the state where you can go tubing. This is one of them. You can go horseback riding, and this is one of them again. And now in some of the places, they've got these backcountry yurts that you can cross-country ski or snow, uh, snowshoe into, and all things that you can consider as alternate activities for the winter. Take me up to Idaho, Bob. I'm an Idaho boy. Um, I wasn't born. Well, I actually was born in Boise, Idaho, although we moved to California the next day. Uh, So I never say born and raised. But I did spend my school years in Pocatello, and I know that uh, they've got some fun things. Well, let's start with Rigby. Yeah. So similar to what they have in uh, Heber Valley with the ice castles, they have their version up there called the uh, Ice Palace at LaBelle Lake. Similar type of thing. Actually, I think it's a little bigger. It's lit up. It's, they even go up two stories. This is really amazing. Susan and I have been up there and, and went through it. It's a fun time. So it's just up at LaBelle Lake that's in the Rigby area. And uh, that's open on the weekends. I think uh, they have some events going on during the week as well. But you can get more information about that on our website at Road Tripping with Bob and Mark. But also in Idaho, in Victor, Idaho, which is one of my favorite places in southeast Idaho is Victor in that Teton Valley area. They have ski joring. Yeah, this is have crazy ever, stuff. This is this is a this is definitely a fun um, spectator, spectator sport. sport. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's a guy on a horse. He's saddled on a horse and he's pulling either a snowboarder or a skier behind him. Yeah. Um, and he's pulling him behind him. They're going over jumps and. Uh, it's it's pretty exciting sport, you know. The so the uh, they're going over jumps and gates and rings and what could possibly go course. wrong? What could you know? This is where you really want to have your video cameras out <laughs> because this is a video that could probably go viral. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a little winter fun uh, rodeo style there. That's February twenty fifth and twenty sixth of the weekend after President's Day. One more spot if we can get it in here, Mark. Uh, take me to East Zion. That's an area you know well. Yes, and, you know, we'll go from the north down into the southern part of the state of Utah, and, and you've got all that red rock down the Zion National Park area. The slot canyons down there, if you've never been in a slot canyon in the wintertime, it's even more ethereal and beautiful, and it's going to be cold. Bring your gloves and hats still, but it's fantastic to go explore slot canyons. They, of course, they do horseback riding and Jeep tours and UTV tours. And there are companies that offer that in that area. The number of waterfalls down there that uh, I've seen so many videos of, even this time of year, has been amazing. So many. You know, the, the water has just been, Bob will tell you this, but that's got more rain or more moisture in the whole state is where Bob's living right now. So they've got a lot of waterfalls. Yeah. 
It's Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark. Uh, Bob Grove, Mark Wade, thank you, guys. You bet, thanks, Tim. We will uh, take another break on the other side. It's uh, snow day. I know that Craig Gordon's going to join us, and we'll get you an avalanche update with more snow coming for the weekend. Biggest part of it may uh, fall on Sundays. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.